I'll ask you all the same question I asked the kids. How many of you have ever heard a story about someone named Jonah from the Bible? Right? Even if you hadn't, you just did. So I'm really glad that your memories work and turned on. Today we heard the last bit of the story of Jonah, which is not a story we hear very often on Sunday mornings. But it is a favorite story for vacation Bible schools or for Sunday schools because kids will remember that some human being got swallowed by a whale and spit up, right? I mean, that's pretty much what we remember of the story, right? Jonah is different from the other prophets. Most of the other prophets were in disbelief that God would have chosen them. Like when Jeremiah was called and he's like, but I'm only a child. I can't do this. Or some of the other prophets who said, but if I give the message that you want me to give, they will throw rocks at me and I don't want rocks thrown at me. Because who would like rocks thrown at them? Anyone? Bueller? Like, no one wants rocks thrown at them. But that wasn't Jonah's response. Jonah flat out ran away, not just to a neighboring town, but he traveled for days to a place called Joppa and then got on a boat and made it all the way almost to the Atlantic Ocean before that storm came up. So the only possible response was to throw him out of the boat so that the storm would stop. And then along came the fish or the whale, something that is at least six feet long, right? To swallow Jonah and take him on a three-day journey that would bring him back to land. Have you ever wondered what Jonah thought about for three days? inside a fish. I mean, have you ever, maybe you are now and I just lost you for the rest of the sermon. (laughs) But God told Jonah again, go to Nineveh. So covered in whale spit, because this, I mean, that's what happens. Jonah begins the walk to Nineveh, the place that he didn't ever want to go to deliver a message from God that he didn't want to share with them. And when he gets there, he doesn't proclaim this message with any amount of emotion or fervor. He doesn't say, repent and turn back from your evil ways. He says, repent, turn back from your evil ways. Have you ever had to make siblings apologize to one another and they didn't want to? You know how they just kind of, they know they have to say the words, I'm sorry, and they probably have to hug each other, and they really don't want to, but they do it anyway so that you'll get off their back, right? It's that kind of proclamation. Now, despite Jonah's apathy, God is at work. Because the Ninevites repent and turn back from all of their evil ways, the entire city proclaimed a fast. 
to turn back from what they had been doing. And when God saw this, all of the destruction that was supposed to come to Nineveh didn't happen because they repented. So this is where we get into the story today. Because God called off that destruction and Jonah is furious. He yells at God, this is why I fled to Tarshish in the first place. What do you mean you are not going to destroy them? This is Nineveh. This is the reason I didn't want to come here because I knew that you would be gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. I knew you didn't want to punish them. I paraphrased a little bit, right? And behind all of this is Jonah's anger and hurt and pain at what the Ninevites had done to his people. These are the same people who came in and conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And then after they had done that, they heavily taxed and then came to dominate the southern kingdom as well. So all of Israel belongs to Nineveh. They wrought havoc all over the Middle East and boasted about how violent they were in their conquests. They were not a middle-of-the-road military power that just got lucky. These were the vilest and cruelest, most inhumane army on earth at that point. And so Jonah, who is furious enough and angry enough that he agrees it would be better for him to die than to live in a place, in a world where the Ninevites would be spared. He storms out of the city to wait and watch. And God cares for him by providing a shrub to shade him from the heat. And then also takes the shrub away the next morning because a worm had a message from God to deliver to that bush to kill it. So Jonah would wake up in the heat. And so now Jonah is furious because now it's too hot. And again, it is better for him to die than to live. Jonah is my favorite dramatic prophet. This is the part of the book where we see that this is less about this person named Jonah and more about the lengths that God will go to to extend grace to us. God went to great lengths to ensure that this particular message made it to Nineveh, a city that was full of people that God loved. But this message was as much for Jonah as it was for Nineveh. Jonah's heart had hardened against those people, and so he was also in need of reminding and receiving God's grace and mercy and compassion. Jonah flat out disobeyed God 
and ran away. I mean, ran away, got on a boat. Had God had to send a fish to swallow him. I mean, Jonah did not listen. And God cared for him. The Ninevites had flat out disobeyed God and turned away from God with how they acted when they conquered each new place. And God cared for them. This is a book about mercy and the love of God going to the absolute darkest places of who we are as humans and what we have created. And God's ceaseless presence being there with us. Because God doesn't squelch us out. Instead, God beckons us to turn toward grace. And this grace is foreign to us. Because it isn't the way that our brains and our hearts are wired Because if you destroy a people, then you deserve to be destroyed. Or if you work a full day, then you deserve to get paid for a full day. And if you work for an hour of the day, you deserve to get paid for an hour of the day, right? This is how the world works. Yeah? Yeah. We want things to be fair. And for many, fairness is the same thing as justice. But this isn't how it is for God. Because God does whatever is just, regardless of whatever we think we get to say about the matter. Because God extends grace to those that we refuse to love or refuse to like. And God extends grace toward those who put in less effort than we do. No matter how loudly we cry out against someone else receiving grace, because we've probably said or thought that at one point, right? Right? No matter how loudly we cry out that they don't deserve it, God gives it anyway. And no matter how loudly someone else cries out that we don't deserve grace, because I probably don't deserve it, knowing how I behave, right? Right? (laughs) No matter how loudly someone says that we don't deserve grace, God gives it anyway. We get so worked up over God acting or God not acting in the way that we want that we end up missing the grace that surrounds us. We miss God showing up and caring for us. Just like Jonah did with the shrub and just like the all-day laborers did when they received their wages. God is here with us, caring for us and calling us to stop looking at all of the things that we have declared to be our own Ninevehs. Look for where grace is present there. Nineveh, as well as each of us, have received grace upon grace. For no reason other than we worship a God who is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
God is calling us. God is calling us back to let loose of the bonds of anger and frustration and hurt from the world. God is calling us back to rest secure in the gift of grace and mercy that we have received. Amen.